Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Curtis Fleming is down the edge of the air. Fleming for What's Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh! coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome to the Boy Breakdown podcast, um, live on Red Army, t- uh, Red Army Radio. Um, my name is Johnny Bullock. I am the host of this podcast, and I'm joined by the Everything MFC owner and creator, Dana and... Rudy Gestead's number one fan and a self-proclaimed um, fo- football fantasy specialist, Elliot. Um, and if you haven't listened to this podcast before, where have you been um, over the last season? This podcast really grew um, over the last year and we're happy to take this to the radio now. And obviously we are available if you are listening through Apple Music um, and SoundCloud and so forth. Well, I'm glad you found us again. Um, so let's start things off, guys. Let's chat about Millsworth Football Club. Let's chat about pre-season. Um, a complete different change. Uh, from the previous year, of course, under Tony Pulis, where we we just we were just running, playing hoofball, not getting very far. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan Mulgate has taken over um, a new type of pre-season as well. Uh, Mills are playing a little bit more of a high press now. Um, but Dan, I'm going to start off with you. Do you think Mills was pre-season under Jonathan Mulgate was a success? Yeah, because it's shown progress, isn't it? And I suppose that's kind of all we want to see. And I can't really speak for the other games, but from the St Etienne game, it, it did look promising. I mean, that um, left-hand side with Hayden Coulson and, and Marcus Brown looked really, really good. And you know what? I was watching it and I was like, bloody hell, pace? <laughs> we've like we've actually got pace here. Like, there was an overlapping run from, from Coulson every time Marcus Brown was on the ball, and it was just really refreshing to see. There was, like you said, a high press. Um, you had Savile getting a lot closer to Brit. He wasn't as isolated as, as we've seen him before. And it just looked it looked good. I think the only worrying thing is Ryan Shotton because it seems yeah. as though he breathes on people and gives away penalties. <laughs> That's probably the only thing that I was I was really worried about. Well no, I can see why um, Tony Pulis played him out wide played him out wide and said centre half. Um, but Elliot you're saying were you happy with the preseason? Uh, yeah, I thought um I thought it went pretty well apart from the Heidenheim game, really. Um it was, I, I don't know, that was the only one where I thought, you know, we, we need some work doing here. But um, out of the two that I went to, um, Gateshead, and I know Gateshead are not kind of the highest um, quality, but um, the St. Etienne game, that you know, they came fourth in Liga in last season. Um, yeah, pretty decent results, um, I thought, and a decent chance to kind of get the new philosophy and formation going. So, mm. 
I think like the complete change in football now is 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 nice for Millsborough fan, fans. It's going to take a long time to bed in. And I think the one thing I was a little bit worried about for Jonathan Woodgate's side next season is can this team play an aggressive, high press, counter press um, three times a week? I don't think we probably can, especially with the team being quite light at the moment. Um, but in terms of that, are you guys slightly worried at all for this year in terms of Millsborough fading away? A little bit like Leeds, how it did last year where they started off. They should have really went up last year, but they never. Um, but are you worried about for Millsborough this year? Are they going to fade away? We could do, because, I mean, you look at our numbers. We're, I mean, we're short on all options. If you look past the kind of senior fold, you do have the youngsters that can fit in. But just from what Jonathan Woodgate said in, in the press conference today is that, I think it was Robbie Keane, actually, uh, yesterday at the Meet the Coaches event, he said that we're not going to just shot youngsters in willy-nilly. And I was thinking that maybe if worse comes to worse, we get a few defensive injuries, like, you know, um, around the Christmas period, then we could you know, call upon the likes of Nathan Wood, for example, but it seems as though we're being cautious with the youngsters, which is mm-hmm. good, but we're still kind of opening that doorway for them. But, um, the, the you know, the senior fold, there's, there's not a lot of options there, which is why I'm hoping that in the last, the last week of the window we can, you know, get some more options in because we are short on numbers. And like you said, this, this high-intensity game, it's obviously going to, kind of catch up on the fitness of the players we have a question from Liam if you haven't listened to this podcast before and we do get quite a lot of questions in and we tend to answer them so if you do in the future submit them through the Borough Breakdown Twitter page Um, but Lee's asked um, Elliot I think it's a good question to really kick things off but New style, of course. Um, new manager, Jonathan. Will get, it's, it's his only really first uh, first proper job in football in terms of managerial. Um, but if he gets off to a bad start, do you think Middlesbrough fans will turn quite quickly on Jonathan Woodgate and Robbie Keane and so far? Um, I think some Middlesbrough fans will. Yeah, um, I think it's uh, it's one of them where I think us guys and and you know other people who are I guess more involved um, and and maybe season ticket holders will be a bit more patient with it. Um, but you know I think on the whole I think people he wasn't people's first choice anyway. Mm. So I think if things start going wrong. Um, to begin with, and it can be easily um, portrayed as bad, just as it as it was with Pulis, really. Um, and a lot of people aren't just a fan of his personally, so it, it's one of them. So if it go, if it goes bad, it, it's an easy scapegoat. I'd like to hope people wouldn't would, would kind of hold off a little bit. I mean, we'll probably see maybe a, a switch in how people perceive the side, maybe post Christmas. Hmm. But I'd, I'd really like to hope that people know that this is a rebuild and it will require patience and I mean for me I, I, I personally think that we'll be floating around mid-table I'd like to hope that obviously we'd, we'd kind of maybe be a little bit closer to the playoffs but realistically with the squad that we've got the the fact that this is a new season a new challenge a new direction for Borough mm. um, I just kind of feel as though we're going to float mid-table and with that being said I'd like to hope that there's no more than just the odd grumble. I don't think there's going to be somebody sat in the northwest corner with a Woodgate out banner like there was with Tony <laughs> <laughs> No, I think with Jonathan Woodgate though, it, it it reminds you of Gareth Southgate so much in his in his hire, uh, his first managerial job. The money was a little bit tighter, um, and we kind of you know we took we went from Europa League finals to relegation in two and a half seasons. I think Woodgate has an easier start being in the Championship, but still in the back of my mind, I feel. It might not be the right choice, and I'm still waiting to be won over by Woodgate and Robbie Keane and 
Leon and and Danny Coyne. Um, but there's, you know, I'm open to it now. I only renewed my season ticket like what last week. Um, I was swayed by plastic the, fan. Uh, plastic. <laughs> I've been going to games longer you've been born. Um, That's probably true. <laughs> it probably is true. Um, but with that in mind, with Wolgate and this new identity, how long do you think it's going to take for him to actually bed in? Um, this is going to be a long process. It's completely different to what Tony Pulis was playing. Um, do you think it's going to take a two or three year project to actually implement this new style? Or do you think it's just going to be a quick fix? I think in terms of implementing it, I don't think it'll take that long. I think it's already implemented in the sense I think the players know what they have to do. It's just becoming you know, competent with it in a sense and being able to execute it well um, week in, week out. Um, and getting results from it, as we've seen with Brentford last year, they have a uh, admirable style of play um, and kind of you know philosophy about the club, but it didn't necessarily result in success with them. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I think in terms of implementation, I think uh, well underway. Um, but in terms of success, like you say, he's been given the three-year contract, was it? So, yeah, three um, I think uh, that's where it's looking for to get back to the Premier League really mm. we have seen signs already though haven't we yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. the kind of surface level play of, of Borough's game we've seen them play out from the back and I think the important thing is is, is what Borough fans and just fans in general um, need to kind of be a little bit I, I don't know I think they need to realise that playing out from the back isn't simply just passing on the mm. floor you know you can have long balls when it is appropriate and I think that is important to note but um I'd say the first few months are, are growing periods. I'd like to see underlying positives kind of um, at the turn of the year. And then it's, it's kind of like David Wagner when he was at Huddersfield. I remember when we played them in the promotion season, we did see signs of, you know, they can be a good team. And I think the, the following season they got promoted. So, um, you know, for me, it's we're, we're going to make mistakes. I mean, Steve Gibson said that there's no better training pitch than uh, training ground than, than the pitch. So... Um, I, I mean, I'm going to be patient with it, and, and we'll kind of see where it goes. Okay, no, I'm happy. I'm happy with that. But I think the one similarity I think I can see with Woodgate is the probably the Iorkaranka and that that possession philosophy. They have okay, Woodgate's going to implement that high press and counter press, which I think we should be implementing. Um, everyone is starting to implement that, and we should be implementing it too. Um, but with the Karanka style, I'm thinking possession as well when we've got the ball. And now the one thing I can think of is just fans shouting backwards, sideways, we're not going forward. We should start playing long ball and just be so ironic to see that. I think that's what people are like about the counter-press. So I think it's a, a quite a, a British thing that people want in to close down quickly and wanting to win the ball back. Um, in terms of, obviously, with Karanka, you're, you're just looking to kind of regroup when you lose possession and, and form a solid shape and then build again out from, out from the back. But it's a much more patient approach whereas this is lose the ball and it's it's I guess a bit what Liverpool do they're, they're just flying forward trying to get the ball again um, and like you were alluding to earlier um, it can allow the other team to kind of get in behind but um, I think it's a, a style of play which a lot of people like to watch um, because you're always kind of going for it in a sense so yeah. okay and let's chat about transfers now a little bit more obviously Middlesbrough have brought in Mark Baller and, and Marcus Brown from West Ham um, Anyone whose initials are MB. And, yeah, well, the MB fan club now since Braithwaite's <laughs> gone. Um, but I'll come on to Braithwaite and Aidan Flint in a second. But two 
I think good signings to start things off. And um, what Gate did mention in the fans' uh, forum pretty much last night it was last night, wasn't it? Where yeah, he said he's expecting another deal to be within the next next seventy two hours. Not going to be Jamal Law. He's having a Wigan. He's having a Wigan. He's having a medical <laughs> at Wigan um, as right now as we speak. And I think Boyne's actually signing for Reading, I believe, yeah. um, as well. But are you still happy with those signings? Law, Law budget, hungry, fast players, etc. Oh, sorry. Go on, I'll let you go, Dana. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I think that's what we need to go for. I think from the last few years, we've kind of just gone for... We've uh, overpaid for players that don't really... I wouldn't really say deserve the, the price tag that they've got. I mean, £7 million for Aidan Flint, 29 You know, there's a few... I mean, Rudy just said when we signed him for £7 million, which is still don't the worst. It. Don't, 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 don't say it. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't you yeah, say I'll, it. I'll end it there, but you know what I'm, I'm going to say. But, um, I love Rudy Gestead. <laughs> I don't know. <really. laughs> He's going to get a T-shirt with I Heart Rudy on it. <laughs> Just Rudy's face. Yeah, but um, yeah, we've we've we need to kind of make a switch from that to getting young, hungry players, and that's what Jonathan Woodgate said uh, yesterday. He said that you know we kind of do need experience in parts, but you know we kind of need to go for more young, hungry players, which is is what we've brought in with, with Mark Bowler and Marcus Brown and, and they look promising as well and they've got pace which is a massive tick for me no, I, was yeah. say, no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with Dana there and I think um, we've, we've been very smart with the deals um, I think when, when we come to Luton as, uh, as well later um, you know, I was just looking at their uh, incomings as well and, and they seem to be very smart in the transfer market and a lot of clubs are and uh, us over the past couple of years we've been Terrible. Yeah, we've been terrible. So for to do this and you know to get players in for you know three hundred thousand was it for Marcus Brown? I, I'm not quite sure of the fee on it was a bit undisclosed on Mark Ball. I, I'm hearing about one to one point five million, but I don't okay. know if that's true. Um, but um, you know, for me, the they're even all the players that we seem to be linked with as well are between the ages of twenty and, and twenty four. We're not going for these necessarily ready made players. And Woodgate said that in a, a press conference or uh, at the meet the, the staff thing the other night, um, saying you know he's getting players here for the future, not just now. Um, so when he when he ever does leave the club, it's in good stead. It's not going to be left there with you know 30 year old players, and we need to fully revamp the squad. So mm. the one sign I'm really happy with is Mark Mark Baller really, and the reason why I say that is it gives George Friend the competition now. I think with George Friend, his legs have been gone for the last couple of seasons now. And I think for him, as a player, he needs to go in more central, um, because if he's playing on the wing, he's going to get caught. When you're in central, more you you get you're more protected a little bit. I think that'll probably suit George Friend more this year than than ever before. Um, it'll help him develop in his his last stages of his career. And I think with Mark Ball as well, he's dynamic, he's fast, um, he likes to get forward. He's good cross with the ball. He's from Arsenal Academy. And I think it's I think it's a good. Um, good, good sign. And I think he'll work well with with Marcus Brown as well. And obviously, with the overlap, um, getting in and around defenders and and causing problems. They really, I think we haven't seen attacking football for so long. Yeah, and, and Woodgate said about that he wants his fullbacks to be very much involved in in things going forward. So, I think it'll be be good to see. Um, I mean, we, we we've had it in the past with Ensue and Friend, um, but it'd be good to see kind of fullbacks getting forward, helping out, putting in crosses, um, and like we always said centre backs uh, sorry centre mids can then drop in if needs be um, and some of the centre mids we do have are capable at defending um, Clayton for one McInerney's obviously filled in in defending at times as well so 
Yeah. No, I'm, I was going to say I'm going to move on to the next question. It's from Rob Fletcher, and he, he tends to submit questions quite a lot when we do the podcast. So thanks again, Rob. Um, but with that, he, he does say realistically, Millsbrook going to sign two or three players before the window shuts. Um, the squad is very thin. Um, we'll get him said it himself. Fans are starting to worry a little bit. Um, but do you think Millsbrook can actually bring in these two or three players? What we need, i.e., um, probably another winger. We need a, a fullback. Would you be tempted to bring in another centre half um, or another centre forward as well? I um I wouldn't go in for another centre half. I think we're quite covered there. Um, obviously, Shotton and Ayala have been playing together. Um, Dale Fry when he's back, um, as you've mentioned, George Friend um, can fill in, and then you've also got the likes of Nathan Wood and Sam Stubbs who can fill in. So I don't think that's a, a priority. Um, I definitely think a fullback, um, obviously a, a right-sided fullback. Um, and I think um, oh, who was it? Uh, reluctant Nico on Twitter was he when, oh, when yeah, someone someone asked him? Yeah, he said. Uh, so he said obviously about the the signing being in the next forty eight to seventy two hours, and somebody asked him, you know, um, which position, and he said, I've heard it's a right back. Um, Did we get say it was an attacking so, signing? Right. Okay. Yeah, so you can have an attacking right back though. No, Middlesbrough make good strikers in a quality right backs. <laughs> so. <laughs> Maybe we're just going to sign a centre forward, but then just play him right back. Matt Bowler can play up front. Did you not see his Wikipedia? So can in Sue as well. We played him right back. Oh yeah, he played there for played Equatorial for Guinea, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. don't we just bring back in Sue? Yeah, we brought my hairs back. Why not? Oh yeah, and Sue, Vossen, what you know, what, Lee Tomlin, band back together. Bring the whole band back together. Nah, I'm I'm a bit uncertain whether it's going to be this uh, Dyke steel from um, Charlton. Um, there's been rumours, obviously, we've had a bid rejected. Um, so it could be him. I don't know anyone else we're in for. Um, the club's been quite hush-hush in it, and rumours haven't leaked out until quite close to people signing. Um, so as far as we know, the only right-back we've really been needed is, is Dyke steel. So, And then, you know, I, I can't really think of any other attacking um, players, wingers, apart from that Lucas Boyer who's gone to Reading, so um, I don't know uh, who else will we go for. I, I think I think we'll get two. Um, I'd still like maybe a third one, um, someone to cover Clayton, but it's who's willing to come and cover that role. They're not going to be getting much first team football. I think. Sorry, gone. I was going to say, do you not think we need a, another striker if uh, Rudy goes? I mean, Rudy's like. He's useless anyway, so we're, we're not really feeling much of a void, are we? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think if, if Rudy Gostek could actually come into his own this year, with the start, if we're playing with crosses into the box, appreciate it won't be from the off like in terms of press, but it actually might be quite useful for him this year. Um, but another strike, which is we've before we came on air, we heard the little rumour anyway, but Ashley Fletcher, um, there is a little bit of a rumour where he could be gone um, and could be leaving the football club before the end of the window. Um, do you think that'd be a big loss? Because I thought Ashley Fletcher towards the end of last year was really coming to his own a little bit, and I feel like I yeah, appreciate he needs to play football this season. But do you think it'd be a bit of a loss to like lose him now? Yeah, especially with the, the striker situations, as you said. You know, um, Rudy hasn't really played um, for the first team in, in quite a long time. Um, obviously, um, Britt is obviously the first choice, so it would be a bit weird to kind of not have um, Fletcher there because he was coming into his own and and. He'd leave us very short. Um, he'd be more than a capable backup. I think he'd be very good at the pressing because of his sort of the, the way he plays and his natural fitness. Um, so it'd be it'd be tough to lose. T- tough to lose him. We've, we've had kind of rumours for all the strikers really. Um, so we'll wait and see how it progresses. He struck up a good partnership with Brit as well. I think there's obviously we're probably going to go with a four three three, 
but there are, there is probably an opportunity there for maybe a switching system. And under Tony Pulis, I think one of the kind of positives from the latter stages was that partnership between Britt and Fletcher. But to be honest, that I mean, I, I I understand your point. It would kind of be a little bit harsh on Ashley Fletcher if he was to leave now that he's kind of coming into to his own, like he said. But I can't say I'd, I'd lose any sleep over it, to be honest. He is on big wages too. He did yeah. he did sign for what was six point five million. That is a crazy like, deal. As chances well. are he's going to probably be on like thirty grand a week anyway. And I'm, I'm obviously speculating there, but with that, it's probably going to be a high wage from the Gary Monkira. Yeah. Britt's going to still be the highest, but. Randolph and Randolph as well, but I think if we have to get him off the books, then it would that, make that sense. seems to be all the, all the players that are being rumored to be going out are all of the the players that are on high wages because they're either signed during the Premier League or signed during Monk's era. Um, so um, I guess that's why all three strikers have been linked. Um, but you know, personally, I think it makes us harder in the transfer market with what? How many days left is it? It's next week, I believe. Week, yeah. yeah. So next Friday. Know, next yeah. Friday, five pm. Right. Okay. So yeah, it'd make it very difficult for us if we were to lose, you know, two two strikers especially. So we'll see a lot of outgoings definitely. So I think obviously there's there's going to be youngsters going out on loan. Probably Sam Stubbs. I can imagine Steve Walker might go as well. With that, we need to bring in players. Would you let Hayden Hayden Coulson go on loan? No. No. A big yeah. fat no. no. The thing is for me and. I knew you'd probably both say no, but I think with Hayden Coulson is he's still very young. You've got you've brought in Mark Ball, who's twenty one year old. You've got George Friend there's cover. I appreciate I've just mentioned that George Friend could play centre half this year. Isn't Coulson twenty one though? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Well, so what? Um, twenty one. Well, yeah, if they're, if they're both twenty one, then it, it it makes sense for them to battle it out. But Ball has had more experience than Coulson. I think yeah, that's true. Fair, that's and first team with level, Coulson yeah. as well, it'd be good for him to get out, go out on loan uh, this year and just to get gain more match match experience. Uh, I think academy football and men's football um, is just a completely different kettle of fish. Um, you need to get lifted a couple of times by those players to get develop as a footballer. Um, but it's an opportunity for him. I think if, I think if, the, if the right deal comes on and if he's not going to get played, then I understand why um, we'd send him out on loan. But, you know, I, like I'm, I'm open to him going out on loan if we have the players and resource there. But if we don't, then happily to keep him and and keep him within the fringe. Yeah, but my, my kind of thoughts were... It has impressed me, though. It has impressed me. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking he could be in and around the first-team squad this year, um, along with along with Tav, obviously. Um, and, and, you know, if Tav's younger than him, then, you know, like like you always say, if they're, if they're old enough, then... Uh, no, really say, if they're good enough, they're old enough. Yeah. Um, he'll, he'll, right start, he'll start against Lee. I, th- I think he'll start, yeah. I, I think he'll Absolutely. start, um, actually, at... At left wing, oh, he, deser- um, he deserves to start. Hundred percent. Do you think left wing or left back? Because I thought he was really good behind Marcus Brown. Yeah, overlapping. I, I don't know. I th- I feel like we'll start Baller and then we'll start Coulson left wing. Because oh, um, okay. yeah. I think I know I know you guys have been saying about a four three three, but from kind of watching the Saint game, I felt like it was more of a four two three one, and Tav was playing quite central. And I, th- I think Woodgate's mentioned that. Um, he likes Tav Central as well, so I think Tav might start in the, a, a cam position, mm. and he might do so a lot this season. And then Brown and Coulson, and potentially another winger if we get one in, um, can fill. It. And obviously Tav can still fill in those positions if if someone else goes cam, um, maybe Lewis Wing. Um, so yeah. Okay. 
And before we, we move on to, to Luton, we've got a couple of generic questions that came in as well, and I think they're really good to chat about too. Um, Ben's, uh, who, who's always, again, always submits a question, so thanks, Ben. Um, he does, he, I'll start that again. Um, he said that, was there any just unjust scapegoats from last season, i.e. Friend, Clayton, Britton, Hugel? Um, I... I don't think there wasn't any no, unjust scapegoats I... from last year for me. I think I was going to say, but for me, Hugo, I thought was disappointing last year. Um, his touch, his, he was good at holding the ball, but he didn't do much else. He missed well, so yeah. many chances, and it mm. was and appreciate you don't get many chances under Tony Pulis. Um, but he, when we need when we need when we needed them, we need to put them away. Never. Mm. Um, I thought Britt was just unfortunate. You know, he had it was a system that didn't really fit him at all. Clayton again. It was like got, I think he got. got I think he got a bit of um, unfair criticism towards the end, but I think that was because I guess for a little while John Obi Mikel um, did the job a bit better than him, um, and then there was all that kind of hullabaloo about what happened at uh, Newport away. So, um, but I think he'll be back to um, his best this season and doing the job that he does best. And I thought he, he was really good actually at the St Etienne game coming out of his, his natural role a bit and even he was pressing he wasn't just kind of sitting in there being being kind of the, the pivot he was he was kind of getting out and, and pressing the ball so it's good I'll throw this out there I think George Savile got a little bit of unfair stick and I think it's it's drawn from his price tag because when you come to a club for £8 million people expect a lot from you and then when you don't deliver it they expect even more on top of that and it's not that I don't think I personally I don't think George Savile did anything wrong he just didn't do what everybody expected of him and we've said it so many times that he will get better and I think this season is probably the season to judge um, George Savile but yeah I think Hugo, I don't think he got un, undeserved criticism. I think he kind of did that himself. He he wasn't really performing very well. He obviously threw himself on the floor every time somebody brushed him or breathed on him. So, no, I, I don't think anybody really got undeserved criticism last season. I have to agree with Johnny on that. See, I like how everyone agrees with me. Um, but I think the only... I don't know. I think we, we had him Clayton this year. I think... Adam Clayton will come out with Shell, and I agree with you both on, on that front. Um, I, I'm quite—I was getting a bit sick of him, just like dictating the the midfield a little bit, just sitting there. But I think his his position this year is going to probably be vital to Millsborough's press. Um, I think losing John Old McCall um, this year was—it's actually a massive blow, really, when you think about it, because what he was able to do in that centre defensive mid role was actually dictate how Mills were played, and he'd be able to do that so much more with his actual counter press and as well. And he'd, he'd be great with with wingers in. Imagine John Uber McKell, you know, picking up the ball in midfield and be able to pick out a pass from Marcus Brown, you know, flying down the wing. It'd yeah. be, it'd be great. But it's got, it's got a little bit of jingle, that, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> um, but the second question as well was from Alex Fowler, and again, he does submit questions. It's like it's nice that everyone submits questions. I absolutely love it. Um, but the, he does say, uh, Middlesbrough Football Club, um, should they promote women's football? Um, this, in the in the summer, the, the women's World Cup, I thought was actually a roaring success. Um, England were unfortunate not to actually go all the way. To be fair, but they did get beaten by the USA, like badly beaten. Um, but then I want to actually ask you the question as well: Do you think Millsborough Football Club should actually partner with the women's team a little bit more now um, and start implementing them um, and say like play on the Sundays potentially? To be honest with you, I think Middlesbrough missed an opportunity um, after the successes of of the 2015 World Cup in Canada because that was really when. Um, the lionesses came 
came to the fore and, and everybody kind of um, was proud of them for the first time in a while and um, that was probably when they could have jumped on it and maybe put the fixtures out because I remember covering them on the website I think I edited a, a, an article of somebody's on, on the website and he was basically running through the team and the players and I was like you know what this would be brilliant if it was on Millsbury's website and you know I'm well into women's football I think it's brilliant I think it's it's growing, it's progressing, which is really good. And I think that Middlesbrough have missed three separate opportunities, actually, after the World Cup, after the Euros, and after the, the World Cup just gone. I think after these tournaments, after they've been such a success, the first thing that you should find is information on the, on the teams, mm. and they just haven't. And I think they run their own Twitter account, which is perfectly fine, but I think they need help with Middlesbrough's website, with Middlesbrough's social platforms to kind of bring people in, let people know what the team is about who the players are because I've got I've got a friend that that plays for them and I, I'd love to know more about them but there's just it's it's that access there's mm. people want ease of access and there's just no no access to yeah, information it's one of them you kind of have to go digging for the information it should kind of be you know some regular updates on social media and like you said trying to get people just knowing about it and knowing who the players are and um kind of not give it like an, an equal slot I guess because you know um, it's not kind of the facilities where the, the pe- people are go and watch mm-hmm. it, but it's you know it's still still a very good thing that yeah. Borough could do with, especially with this new admin who's apparently on fire. Um, people are loving him, so I've got so many tweets lined up uh, where Mills was signed players. Like, just look out to the Borough, Borough breakdown Twitter page, and you'll see some absolute fire come from our page. Um, but I, no, I agree. I think Mills should partner with the, the the ladies team more and try and invest in that team. I think what we there's a couple of things that they can do. Obviously, I don't know the recurring costs of like running the ground and di- on match days and stuff like that. But you could comfortably do uh, season tickets getting free um, and let them play at the Riverside once or twice or three times a season, where it actually promotes women's game a little bit more. Appreciate that they're not in the best divisions at the minute, but they do need that investment, and it's probably not just not there yet. But I think it will come through probably in the next five, ten years or so. And it's also a good market employee as well for the club to actually get people more to the grounds, buying more beer and buying more food. Also integrating more female fans into the ground as well and getting the stadium a bit more full as well. So I would like to see it, but whether it happens shortly, I, I don't think it will yet. Yeah, it's good for those little girls as well that, that want to get into football. I remember when I was in primary school I used to play it. I used to love going in for that good old slide tackle on my <laughs> on my bum. <laughs> I don't know whether I'm tried so hard. <laughs> oh, I thought you would chop that. Not to be fair, I, when Gareth tweeted us saying what are you going to do about it and I was like, we're going to get a swear jar I think because every podcast that we did we're, we're terrible for yeah. it. I don't think I'd do that. I don't think that counts, so I think we've got away with that. (laughs) Okay, well, anyway. Um, Yeah, I kind of, going into, like, secondary school, I wanted that opportunity, and I think that it would have been brilliant to kind of see these teams and and know about them and and get to kind of know more about them. And Mm. and it's just, it's such a shame because there's there's little girls around the world that, that would love to get into football, and it's just that that information that they need to kind of give them that push to to get involved mm. no good um let's let's move on um let's chat about Luton um the first game of the season Friday night under the lights on Sky Sports um 
Jacob Butterfield will score in the 92nd minute to give Luton the 1 0 win. Um, <laughs> but let's have, let's chat about Luton. Um, got promoted last year um, in the second division for I think for a long time as well. I know you guys have been looking into Luton a little bit more. Do you want to take the lead on a little bit on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, Dana, do you want to go first? With I think you've looked into kind of what was it transfers and stuff yeah. from them and and pre-season. So yeah. Well, they, first of all, they they lost two quite pivotal influences to their attack and play. They lost James Justin and Jack Stacey to Leicester and Bournemouth respectively. Uh, they were involved in 23 goals between the pair of them last season. Um, I think that was Jack- more than Boris Carl last year, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to like compare that to our fullbacks, but I didn't get around to it. But I can't imagine it would be anywhere near that figure. But um, yeah, I think Jack Stacey I did speak about on one of our last podcasts because he was he was one of those like attacking fullbacks that were craving. Uh, well, at that time anyway, and. Um, you know they lost them too. And they replaced one of them with with Brendan Galloway, who was on loan at Sunderland. He's played in the Championship before, albeit in that horrible team. Um, but they've they've done some really astute business actually. They've brought in Butterfield. They've brought in Callum McManaman. There's too many M's in that name. Uh, right in Tony Cliff, Patrick Bamford's best pal, um, and um, Two Minute Martin Crooney. Um, they've also brought in a, a goalkeeper called Sluger from some Croatian team I think he made his um, debut for the national team earlier on this year so he's got that European experience I think he might have actually played in European competitions um, so they've they've made he, some really he, was a, he was a record signing as well wasn't yeah, he so 1.3 million 1.3 yeah. million I think and all the rest were, really? were free transfers so I think they've made I think about a good 8 to 10 million from Jack Stacey and uh, James Justin um, and then obviously reinvested it on you know 1.3 million and then a lot of free transfers who but let's face it they're kind of half decent players in, in this league um, and kind of fit their their style going forward so yeah it's it's clever stuff it's it's like it's clever business because of their experience I mean when you are a, a newly promoted side you kind of do need that experience and Butterfield has played in this this league before obviously Martin Crane is vastly experienced in it um, and they've they've applied that in their their preseason games. They've uh, faced a few non-league teams. Uh, Wellwyn Garden City, which sounds like a Welsh great version team, of great B- team. Sounds like a Welsh great version philosophy. of B and Q. Bedford Town and Basingstoke. They they beat Basingstoke seven-one and then got thumped five-one off Norwich. So Borough aren't the only ones to be the unfortunate recipients. Sorry, of five speaking, one speaking of Bedford, I think Middlesbrough ladies play at Bedford Terrace at Billingham Town's ground. Just. Oh, nice if you're interested, plug there. sorry, plug. Yeah, nice <laughs> plug there. Uh, but before that, they went to Portugal and they faced CS Partimon, won 2 0, and then they finished it off um, against Biggle Suede Town, which honestly sounds like something off in the night garden. Um, and they drew 0 <laughs> 0. I'm quite, I'm quite worried that I don't know what that is. <laughs> Um, but I was I was looking at it and I was thinking they've faced a lot of non-league sides yeah, and, yeah. and I was yeah. thinking is that the right prep for? Well, you're not going to play another championship team, are you? Well, no, but it's like more games like Norwich. Maybe I don't know. Obviously, what how much it costs to have a? It could be a psychological <laughs> play, and the mm. reason why I say that is because they've got to go in this season absolutely buzzing, and they were buzzing at, towards the end of last season. They got promoted quite convincingly as well, and. They need to carry that on, and I think they probably will try and carry in the first couple of games. I remember Sheffield United a couple of seasons ago when they first came back up. They were absolutely off to a flyer, um, and they built on that momentum throughout the season. So Luton could potentially do exactly the same, really. Yeah, and and they've had obviously two um, straight promotions, so it's kind of 
you know, if they can keep the momentum going. Um, and, you know, they've still got quite a core of the team, only, what, five or six incomings. It's not a massive amount. They haven't, like, overhauled the squad. Um, you know, the same manager still, so you know, they could could get off to a flyer. But they do have they were a very tough start, to be honest. Um, obviously, us up first on Friday, but then they go to Cardiff away. Um, I think they're at Hillsborough away, I think the fourth game. And then the third game is um, West Brom at home. So it's quite a, mm. a difficult start for them, really. But Hillsborough away, we play in Pez. I was thinking that. <laughs> oh my god, I was thinking that. <laughs> uh, you know what? Just just off topic, I'm thinking about converting to Pez 2020 this season rather than FIFA 20. Well, Get your Yorval Town career mode well, going. You know what? Well, I'm doing a currently doing a Coventry season at the minute, but actually, no, I'm not going to get in this Coventry season. But next podcast, at, le- at least at least Juventus will be a license on there for you. I know. Yeah. Well, true. Apparently, there's so much more to do in, in this new Pez this year, so I'm thinking about. Actually, probably converting over there. Fair enough. Fair enough. Retweet for FIFA, like for PES. I know it well. <laughs> FIFA have lost me this year. I'm absolutely fuming about no, FIFA. They lost me last year. But the gameplay is absolutely shocking. I'm sick of having 18 gonna... shots on target and getting beat 1 0. He's going <laughs> to throw his uh, FIFA disc out of the window. I, you know what? I, I can't. I was only on the disc. I, I was. I bought a high tech and I downloaded on my PlayStation. I was like, yeah. You missed out on that know, yeah. season card throwing at Steve McLaren moment. <sighs> I know, I really did, didn't I? Um, but sorry, Luton. Sorry. Um, yeah, I just I just done a, a kind of a bit more on them. So I looked into um, the formation that they play. Um, so, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's a, it's a 4 3 1 2 or a 4 4 2 diamond. Um, so the, you know they've got a holding midfielder, two central midfielders who can kind of drift out wide and and fill in the gaps as kind of box to box midfielders, and then a centre attacking midfielder. Um, the full backs are kind of critical um, in this. So losing Jack Stacey and, and James Justin was quite bad for Luton, but like you said, um, Brendan Galloway I thought was a good pick up um, for his age to get him on a free transfer. He's been highly rated. At, at Everton um, over the years um, hasn't quite done it but you know could do it in the championship Martin Craney was a bit of a funny one because although for us he didn't seem like the marauding fullback type to be pivotal don't, in a formation don't even say that no, Martin Craney is probably one of the most iconic signings <laughs> probably above Juninho but what I was thinking with him is um, Sorry. he played in, in Sheffield United's team last year and yeah. they used to play 5-3-2 so he's used to kind of being on the wing on his own, but you know, taking up that attacking um, priority as well. So um, I think they've kind of covered themselves there. So they need those signings to get off to a good start. Um, what else did I kind of have from them? So another key position for them in this formation is the the centre attack and midfield position because um, he's going to link up well with the full-backs and two strikers, which I think is going to be quite hard to deal with because when those full-backs are getting in crosses, um, and both of them got quite a lot of assists last year, like Dana said, um, they've got two strikers up there and then the kind of centre-attack on the field who arrives late, um, and that's uh, if he keeps his place. I'm, I'm assuming he will. He have not signed no one in that position, but George uh, Moncur, um, so he's kind of one to look out for on, on Friday night. Um, you know, apart from that, the two strikers I didn't really know them all that well. Um, they were called James Collins and Elliot Lee. He's um, done well for them. Scored, um, th- yeah, James Collins, Collins twenty-five goals last season, and Elliot Lee twelve, so thirty-seven between them. That's probably more than Borough um, <laughs> yeah, last year. Smart, yeah. And uh, I also noticed they had Kazenga Lawalawa, 
once of Brighton, was he? Yep. Um, they picked him up last season on a free, tra- just like a, a free agent. So pretty good, really. They've got, they've kind of got options all over the pitch, and uh, yeah, it's bound to be that Martin Crane will cross it in for Jacob Butterfield, and the ex Borough pair will will score yeah, against us. So it's just it's just written. The football gods have spoken, and it's probably going to happen. I think it's a really tough game for Millsborough on Friday. And the, the reason why I, I say that is because they're newly promoted, but the, the system as well. I think the five three two is kind of counteracts Mills with four three three quite easily. I think with the, with the five at the back, you 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 null the wingers. They're not not doing five. Not doing they're, five. They're, uh, like a four four two diamond, but it's kind of it's kind of like the, the full backs. The full backs are kind of the so same kind of as like Sheffield United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even with that point, even that in mind, it still nullifies your attackers. And it makes it very difficult to, to break it down. So with Middlesbrough, with that in mind, I think even if the, if their wingers do play a little bit deeper and we allow ourselves to push our wing backs up, we won't get caught in the counter-attack quite quickly. Um, so Middlesbrough have to try and nullify that in their third um, before we even try and press even more. But I think with that, it's a really enclosed ground. Um, it's a bit of a rough pitch, like the newly promoted. The reason why the Sky cameras are there is because they expect Luton to turn us over. Um, they're never there for Middlesbrough Football Club. They won't... Every time Sky is there, they just pretty much slay us and brag off the other team anyway. So Andy Hinchcliffe hates us. Oh, he hates us with a vengeance, doesn't he? he? Hates us. I think he puts us up there with Millwall, the teams he absolutely hates. But um, let's chat Middlesbrough in, t- in terms of how we're going to set up, um, and, pr- and we're going to move on to our predictions probably for the season as well. Okay. Uh, but for Middlesbrough, um, let's do let's do Middlesbrough's lineup first. What do we predict? What they're going to uh, how how do you think we're going to set up? Um, we probably think four three three, but who's going to play in those positions? Who's going to be the four three three? Who's going to be the three in midfield for the season? Um, and then we'll do a, a couple of predictions as well. Okay. Um, do, do, do you want to start, Dana? With your Can lineup, do, if yeah. you want. Yeah. Um, well, the, the good news is that Randolph is expected to be fit. I think that's important. Um, I do have war flashbacks from um, Thomas Mahias from the. Uh, Playoff season where he flapped. Just, just out of curiosity, times. do you think Thomas Mahias is a little bit dodgy? Still. Like, I think he, he, he can be. Can I still be. don't trust him. Uh, just like, just like Demi, though, everyone, you know, he was a uh, more than capable goalkeeper in that promotion season, but he's, he's prone to an error. He's uh, an IR. Well, Demi every keeper was prone, wasn't it? No, but not Randolph. Have you seen Randolph? <laughs> Now you, now you said <laughs> mistake. You've cursed him. Jacob well Butterfield done. shot from 30 yards. Randolph spills it, goes in 1-0. 90 yeah. second minute. Wish you didn't say that. <laughs> but, um, <clears throat> yeah, the the good thing is that he's meant to be fit. I think the latest update on George Friend is that he is also um, getting close to fitness. He, he might be fit for, for the Luton game, but it doesn't matter to me because he's not in my team. Um, <laughs> That's not very nice. <laughs> no, um, I think... See the thing is with with right back that was see I went with Housen but if you know what forget that I've gone I'm gonna go baller right back then Ayala shot baller right back oh he's left back isn't he you've I've lost no, it no we'll go we'll keep we'll keep Housen no well because of that we'll keep Housen yeah I looked on it earlier and I was like I could have sworn he was a right back but he's a left back and now I just yeah anyway. Um, House and right back. Ayala shot and shot and there by default, really, because Fry's injured. Um, if Fry wasn't injured, then I'd have him alongside Ayala. Um, and then Coulson left back because he's impressed. He he really linked up well with Brown on that left hand side. And then the midfield three, I've gone Clayton, Wing, and George Savile. 
Clayton's obviously in that holding midfielder role. What are you laughing at? No, no. Do you know what we were saying earlier? I've got my midfield three. Yeah, you, you just mentioned it. But oh, get it. Anyway, um, Wing's kind of in that number eight position with Savile kind of getting close to Brit. He did um, get tight to Brit in the St. Edian game, which was good because it didn't leave Brit um, isolated, which is what he's kind of been used to under Tony Pulis. But um, that's my midfield three. And then I've gone Johnson um, on the right, uh, Brown on the left, and then Brit up front. Okay, Els. Um, so, like I was saying earlier, I'm um, I'm expecting us. Wait, to hold on. Bowler did play right back at, against Saint Etienne at one point. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Fine. I think I remember seeing him on the left. I don't remember seeing him on the right, but uh, I wasn't. I wasn't there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Switched. Oh, well, fair enough. But um, I expect us to go with more of a four-two-three-one um, rather than the four-three-three. Um, just from what Woodgate's been saying about playing Tav Central. And I think he likes that formation from playing under it with, with Karanka. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Randolph in goal, um, House and right back. Uh, I think he's stepped into that role excellently. Um, and I think he's, at the moment, I guess the only choice that is preferable. Um, I think, uh, obviously, Shotton can fill in there with injuries and stuff. But I think this year he won't feature at right back, Shotton. Um, so I think Housen will start there. Um, Ayala and Shotton for the same reasons as Dana said that uh, you know Fry Fry's injured. Um, Mark Baller at left back. Um, Clayton and Savile as the two um, in midfield. Um, I think Savile's going to be the one, um, or potentially even McNair because I, I was impressed with McNair when he came on. He was very, very aggressive in his press and he's. A lot fitter than what I thought. He's he's a lot quicker off the mark than what I thought he was as well. Um, so, but personally, I think it's going to be Clayton and Savile. I don't think Wing will be put in that too, unless it's kind of later on in games um, because he doesn't have, as we were saying last season, he doesn't have that sort of positional awareness and he, he can just drip from it. And I think he'll be not kind of sticking to his role um, if he plays in that too. Um, so Clayton and Savile, uh, Brown on the right, um, Tav Central and Hayden Coulson on the left. I think he definitely deserves a start, whether it's left back or left wing. Um, but just from how often he was getting forward in that game, making one twos, I think he made a one two on the edge of the box and got to the byline. I was just thinking, w- w- when did when have we, last time we seen this? So I think September oh eight. Yeah, and um, even at the Gateshead game that I was at, he was whipping a lot of good crosses because he played left left wing as well there. Um, with Patrick Redding playing behind him, so and then obviously Britt up top, um, and I think there's a lot of options there. Obviously, we were saying very thin on the ground, but you've got you know, still Johnson on the bench um, who played all right, I thought, in the St. Etienne game. Lewis Wing and Paddy McNair um, and Ashley Fletcher, so some good options um, about. But that's what I think our lineup will, will be. I think I'm a bit torn a little bit because I was I think in four three three and then the three that Dana said, but also I'm I'm kinda of bit torn in the four two three one as well. And it's just I, whether I think, someone can do that role of what Ledbitter used to yeah, do. Yeah, I think I think with the four two three one I think it would probably suit the pitch. It's more tight, you you fill up the space a little bit more with the five in midfield, you know, rather than the three. Um I think if I'll go with the four two three one with you, Elliot, a little bit. I'm gonna go with Dazza in goal, big Dazza Randolph, ball, ball the left back. Um, same pretty much back line, house and right back, and, and uh, 
I was going to say Flint then, <laughs> but um, <laughs> Ayala and uh, Shotton. Obviously, there's there's no there's no changes really there. Um, Adam Clayton to to sit in. I'm going to say pro- I would probably try and play Paddy McNair there. Um, I think it's probably a good position for him to be a little bit more free, and it does em- em- emulate a little bit of the Grant Ledbetter role of going forward. He does have that ability in him. He, yep. He's a bit of more of a dynamic uh, centre midfield player. And I think if we do bring a right back and could potentially see Housen fitting in that role, he's because he's more box to box. I think I think all four of them will get a chance in that oh, central midfield position yeah. and, and seeing who adapts to it best and who's going to be better at. You know, wanting to be forward and wanting to be out of position, and and you know we they all have different traits, um, I guess, and, and we'll have to see where wing fits in with all that as well. And wing might be one of those ones that fits in in the cam system along with Tav. So, yeah, yeah. See, I think Ham. Well, I'll come come at this in a second. Um, but obviously on on, on the right hand side, I was going to probably join you. I think with well, actually, no, you know what? I want to change my mind. Actually, I'd probably put Tav on the right. Um, I. Oh, I'll put him on the left. After all, it doesn't matter. Um, Lewis Wing in the 10. And on the left, I'd go Marcus Brown. See, I don't think... And then oh, I'll switch it either or. Because with, with Tav's left footage, you can kind of cut in, but also you have the ability there to switch as as and when if needed. And then up top, you go with Britt, don't you? Because he's, he's on fire. But then you mm. also, with that, though, you can kind of play the three as well. Because if we're trying to press forward and go more to a 4-3-3, or play a four-five-one. Essentially, you can have you have the opportunity there for wing to to drop in more of a central position, and then you've got the wingers as well there to try and get forward to. Um, hence, why I've, I've kind of went with that type of formation. Really, you're going to say something then? You've I was. Um, well, I've, I've said my point, and I've sat you down, haven't I? <laughs> no, I was. I was going to say I don't see Lewis Wing as a number ten. I see him as a number eight. Okay, and that was it. It's a bit. I think his position's still quite undecided, isn't it? Because yeah, I think um, you know, playing as that number eight, I think my, I think even Woodgate's going to expect a lot more out of him. Um, and I think he's got that tendency to kind of just want to drift around. And I think that's why, personally, I think that's why that number ten role might suit him. But then it depends if you know Woodgate wants that position to be quite rigid as well. Where if he's wanting him to stay certain, it'll be that foc- focal point. He he could just you know drift away from that as well but if he's wanting the the kind of number 10 to be you know drifting around all over the place and just picking up in pockets of space I think Lewis Wing will be perfect for it so mm. okay do you think who do you think's going to break through as much this year do you think Tav's going to probably break through more um do you think Hayden Coulson's going to be the one that breaks through or Jed Spence is obviously Nathan Wood there's I think Sam Stubbs will probably go out on more and I think Nathan Wood might as well but is there any more who you think potentially may break through next year I think, I think that's a, oh, about it with with the list, really. Um, I don't think the others will get much first-team football unless it's the Cups again. Yeah. Um, but I think the others could definitely feature, especially if we if we don't get a right-back. Jed Spence is, is definitely in ha- a lot higher up in the pecking order. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think Coulson will feature a lot. And I, I hope he does. I hope he just isn't out of the team after that performance against St. Etienne. Um and obviously, yeah, Wing and Tav will, will be involved. So, hmm. yeah. What's your score predictions for Lewin? Uh, I've been kind of changing it up all day, to be honest. Um, but with what we've been talking about tonight and kind of saying about, you know, Luton's system and, and the way they play um, and kind of relying on the fullbacks to get forward to help out, they're quite a, you know, openly attacking team. Um, they have been for two seasons now. They went up in second and first um, in two straight promotions. 
and the way we are trying to switch um, kind of philosophy and the way we play, I can see it being quite an open-ended game. So I've been switching it all day, but I think I've settled on, I'm going to go 2-2 two, two, draw. I was thinking um, that. I don't think we're going to nick a win just because I think they're going to be really buoyed up. Um, their attendances last season towards the end were you know, pretty much sellouts. The ground's only just over 10k and you know the, the all season they, well, had, they had like uh, I think 9.5k on average so they're going to probably sell out first game in the championship after so many years so yeah, yeah two, they're going to be right up for it aren't they and I think the thing is as well is because we are going with a new system we're you know we're trying to well a new style of play we're trying to play out from the back more we're more liable to make mistakes and I mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised to see them yeah. initially at, at yeah. the beginning and I think it's it's up to Luton really whether they can take those like pounce on those mistakes. And I think given that they do have two potent attackers in Elliot Lee and, and James Collins, I think James Collins beyond last season was, was deadly for them as well. I think I think he's had two seasons at Luton and he's he's performed really well in, in both of them. Um how many goals did he get last season? Twenty five last season, yeah. yeah. Um I think you don't really give him an invitation, he'll he'll just take take the, the opportunities when they come to him. So yeah, I think we'll make it's, mistakes. It's going to be difficult as well, obviously. With with um, obviously we're both playing different formations, and and them having two up top with a cam, um, as well. It, it's you know it's there's going to be a lot of people bombing forward, and and we're going to need to make sure our um, fullbacks get back. Um, I think Housen will because his engine is great. At, in the Saint Etienne game, there was a moment where. Um, he ran right over and right back and filled in and, and tackled someone at left back and it was great to see and, and a few Blackpool fans have, have been saying as well on uh, on social media that um, Bowler kind of relies on his kind of um, pace and strength to be able to get back um, he, he does bomb on um, but he knows he has kind of the capability mm-hmm. to get back in time so what we've needed for so long uh, mascot prediction is going to be 2-1 Middlesbrough I'm going to go with that one and be really optimistic actually funny enough um, but as, we, as we're closing on time a little bit um, let's quickly just do our predictions for the season as well um, one word one two words what do you think where do you think Middlesbrough will finish 8th uh, to 10th I was going to say 8th to 12th I've got eighth to fourteenth. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be a really difficult season um, in Middlesbrough. What the the beauty of this season is, there's no expectation for Jonathan will get to do well. It's pretty much a free hit. Um, if things start going south, yes, the fans can potentially turn. They always do turn anyway. We have to give them the time to do it. Uh, it's going to be a, a long term plan, but I think it's going to be a good to, a good plan as well. Um, but if I'm honest, I would love it if we got top six. I'm not going to go I'd down. Love it if we Kate, beat them. Kevin, I would love it. <laughs> you know what? They've got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. In. And I'd love it if they beat them. Um, but no, it's um, it's difficult. I love if we've got top six, but if we don't, it's not a it's not a disaster. Um, it's a big transitional period for the football club, and hopefully we do that. Um, but that pretty much wraps things up, guys. Uh, thank you very much, as always, for uh, speaking with me. Uh, if you listen to the podcast, and if you ever come across a podcast on iTunes, do give us five star rating on there. Um, subscribe to our channels. Uh, we're on SoundCloud, iCatcher, iTunes. Um, iCatcher. iCatcher. No, actually, it's iCatcher. Yeah. It's actually called. Cool, yeah, iCatcher. Um, Acast, Stitcher. We're pretty much everywhere. Our Spotify as well. Um, so do give us a follow and subscribe and do all that fun stuff as well. And if you're not following us on uh, Twitter, it's at Bora Breakdown. Bora underscore Breakdown. 
Um, if you're not following the Everything MFC page, you'll be absolutely deluded. He's got over 60k followers across the four platforms, um, which is absolutely insane. So if you're not following that as well, do follow that. But this is the Bora Breakdown. The season's coming up. The Bora. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 